What's up, everyone? It's the Love the Jam, the podcast, coming to you as always with Rob. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, the Clippers had themselves a very good week. How are you doing? I am also doing well. Did you actually manage to hear that Chris Paul JJ Reddick podcast? I haven't Rob? yet. I saw. I read all about it on Twitter, of course, but I have not listen to it yet did you yes i actually did listen to it there's actually a bit in it where chris paul talks about uh i don't know if it was maybe it was a conversation with doc or maybe an old coach where uh, uh where somebody used to ask him chris how are you doing and he used to berate him for saying good and then chris would say well from now on <laughs> it was kind of it was kind of a funny little little nod um <laughs> the Clippers are doing quite well. Yeah. Winners of quite a few games in a row. Is it three in a row now the Clippers have won? Four in, um, four in a row. They haven't lost a game so far in the month of March, I believe, which is, you know, not a huge thing, but kind of cool. They had a huge win against Oklahoma City Thunder, the wary Oklahoma City Thunder, 118 to 110. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, just yesterday, this game was. It was pretty fantastic. Yesterday from when we were recording this pod, a.k.a. Uh, Friday night. This was a, this was a pretty, pretty awesome game, particularly from the standpoint of Lou Williams and Danilo Gallinari and their offensive production. We were just bashing both these guys. Not bashing, but talking about how we were worried both of them were slowing down and they're uh, trying to maintain their legs and what we can do going forward and just – being altogether apprehensive like we normally are. And, of course, they had that New York game. And then uh, Gallo and Lou were both fantastic yesterday. Lou had 40 points mm-hmm. on uh, 10 of 15 from the free throw line, which is kind of weird for him. Uh, seven boards, five assists, four steals, four threes, 13 of 24 from the field. Gallo was 10 of 19 from the field for his 34 points. Felt like Gallo was doing a lot of things early, Lou doing a lot of things late. And those two were just absolutely massive, 74 points. Landry Shaman had 11, and uh, Zubat had 14. Evika Zubat had 14. But aside from that, those were the only people in double figures. And for a team very much known uh, for its, you know, up and down the floor production, the Clippers still had a nice, nice production for pretty much uh, all of their big players. But really, it was all about Gallo and Lou. Just some quick thoughts on that game. I think we have a lot of room to talk about this game and a lot that's spawned from it. What did you think about that game, Rob? Uh, you know, it was a very nice win, I think. Just watching Lou and Gallo, especially Lou, dominate was really fun. There are, you know, the, the Thunder had played five games in seven days. They were on the second night of a back-to-back. They'd played overtime the game before. Mm-hmm. Given the schedule and that the Clippers had been at home and had three days of rest, that's a game they really should have won. So I'm mm-hmm. glad they did. Uh, but it was just really fun. The Thunder have had a tendency to play in a ton of really fun games this season. And last night was certainly one of them. I had a blast watching it. It was one of the Clippers' more fun games in a while, I think. They've had probably more resounding wins and more important wins that was just one of their overall more solid victories in, in a few weeks, probably. Um, yeah, it was great. It was great watching Pat Beverly defend Paul George and frustrate mm-hmm. the Thunder, uh, watching Zubak battle Stephen Adams, watching yeah. Allo get buckets. It was, it was a really fun, fun, nice game. Um, 
not super important at this point in the season. I don't think it's not like the Clippers are going to catch the Thunder. And at this no. point, they seem pretty certain to make the playoffs. But every win counts, and they're still in a race for playoff positioning. So definitely, definitely a good win, and I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, definitely a big win. I was super hyped. Um, after being super frustrated with the team from that third quarter stretch, when Paul George and Russell Westbrook both had five fouls, and it seemed like they, the team had the opportunity to really shut the door on this game and on this team. But then the second unit for the Thunder kind of run, ran wild and brought the team back into the game and was pretty frustrated. But at the same time, like the Thunder are really good. They're really, really good defensive team. They're not a great shooting team particularly, but I feel like they have a really nice eight-man or so rotation where they need to cut things short a bit going forward. Uh, I really like the Morris pickup for them. So I was frustrated. I get easily frustrated with the Clippers. Uh, but at the same time, this is a, a really long defensive team. And when they're engaged, it can be really hard to score on them. Lou was the only one that had it going during that stretch. Yeah. And he came up huge. So um, a little bit of a controversial point from a lot of OKC's perspective was the fouls in this game yeah. and the, th- the fact that three of their starters fouled out. Uh, Paul George was not shy to talk about it um, down the stretch. Uh, and uh, after this game, complained pretty verbally, pretty some of the more public comments about about um, just fouls in general. And he Did was fine any- for it. Yeah. And he was fine for it. Of course he was. Did you have any any really points to make? It's just, it's just uh, well, you I know, mean, like... There were some, some bad calls, I think, but mm-hmm. there are always bad calls in NBA games. I really didn't think this game was particularly egregious. Westbrook and George have nobody to blame but themselves. Several of their fouls are just really stupid. Um, right. You know, there were a couple questionable ones. I thought one of Paul George's offensive fouls against Beverly was kind of iffy. It was probably just a no-call, maybe like a ticky-tack foul on Beverly. It didn't really seem mm-hmm. an offensive foul on George. But, you know, I, I I hate the argument that people are like, don't foul, you know, guys out late in games on on calls. There were a bunch of people just on Twitter, with the, especially with the Paul George followers, like you can't just foul him out in that situation. And it's like, well, but that leads to idiotic games where you're calling stuff safe just because you don't want to foul star players out. That's so stupid. that takes away from the game. You need to call it how you'd regularly call it. So that point I think is ridiculous. And Paul George has so little room to complain. He gets a lot of foul calls himself. He shot 20 free throws the night before. And his defense is really physical, and he fouls and grabs and pushes guys a lot. You know, Pat Beverly does that, but Pat Beverly also gets called for a lot of fouls. Paul George is no different. So I thought coming from George, that was pretty egregious. Um, you know, I was not inclined to really follow that. The Thunder lost that game on their own. They shot horribly. Schroeder was right. absolutely atrocious. Um, Adams didn't have much of an impact. I, you know, the Clippers, I think, outplayed them. They got some help from from fouls, but the Thunder caused a lot of their own problems. So, you know, I generally try to avoid blaming the referees. Every once in a while, there are games where I think they really do have an impact. I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I, I really – I joke about it on Twitter sometimes, especially regarding the Lakers. Uh, but – you know, so the refs are human. Sometimes they make bad calls. It is what it is. It's part of the game. Yeah, and honestly, I I didn't find the Thunder hyper-aggressive. It's not like they should have had more free throws, particularly. They jacked up a lot of threes in this game. Yeah. yeah, so I, 
I don't see the argument that, well, look at their free throws and look at our free throws. OKC was clearly tired. You could see it's particularly at the end of the first half that they just had dead legs and they were just trying to get through this game. They had a little bit of a burst in, uh, in that third to fourth quarter where they picked things up. And when Westbrook and George came back, they were fresher. But the Thunder were like attacking the rim relentlessly or anything like that. So I just, I don't really buy it. You know, I think the Clippers got more calls because, you know, they were, you know, as cliches as it is to say, but they were, they were a bit more aggressive and they got, they got some of those calls. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah so um, I don't have too much more to say about that. Um, I do have something to say about, Oh no. So the, the Thunder had a stretch in the fourth quarter where they only went up one where they missed like five, easy shots like mid-range shots westbrook missed shots yeah, yeah. i think george had they an open tired. three they, they were tired, tired. Yeah. they didn't they didn't hit the shots that they needed to hit and they had opportunities to hit them so i just yeah, i think I it was a no sympathy i feel no yeah sympathy. i don't i don't either sorry sorry thunder fans but uh you guys have a really nice team but i don't have sympathy for you in that sense sympathy i have for is maybe for ivica zubots i think it's becoming a more and more interesting idea mantras harrell who's been obviously amazing for many, many months for the Clippers, but pretty much since that Mavericks game where he just destroyed the Mavs has kind of been up and down. This is not a great matchup for him. A team that's just super, super long with, uh, with, with uh, athletes like Adams and Nerlens Noel manning the middle. You could really see uh, Trez's limitations against those bigger bodies. Um, And, and Zubat was just fantastic. Just, Manning the middle, catching uh, catching uh, pick and roll um, opportunities, or even just even just uh, picking up as a, as the as the last guy, last line of offense, and having dunks on one end. I thought Zubat was great, and I think we both kind of agree we probably would have gone with Zubat down the stretch. I don't know if Doc is at that point with Zubat yet that he would play him yeah. down the stretch. But so, what do you think about this whole Zubat versus Trez? Uh, debate. It's interesting. I was firmly on he should have played Zoo yesterday. I thought the same in the Kings game, and Trez had yeah. some big plays down the stretch to help him win that. I thought right. the exact same thing. I thought Zoo. I mean, Zoo is just a better rim protector. It's not even close. I think Trez is probably better switching out on the perimeter, but the Clippers don't do that very much. Generally, their bigs drop back in defense, and I think Zoo is both smarter about when to rotate. He's just a bigger presence. He's a stouter presence. And in games when they really need stops more than they, they need offense, which I think was very true yesterday, when you have Gallo and Luke cooking, it just makes sense to have Zoo out there. Similarly, if Trez is having a tough time with bigger bodies like Adams or Noel, it's not a slight on him to take him out for a guy who just matches up better. I agree. I think a lot of fans are super critical about this. And, you know, I might have been if they'd lost. But at the same time, Zeus still hasn't been on the team very long. He's very young. And there are plenty of times when he makes pretty dumb mistakes himself. So I understand where Doc is coming from. Mm -hmm. Trez has been one of their best players all season. He wants to reward him. He wants to, you know, put trust in him. You know, you, you ride your horses down the end of these games. But I think there are times when he should legitimately the zoo I think it makes sense in some matchups I think the Thunder is certainly one of them where just especially Noel just gave Trez absolute fits he just could not finish over him he couldn't see the basket yeah. um 
And Zu is a better rebounder too, which is something that's played the Clippers all season is getting rebounds. And Zu's a much better rebounder. So I think there are plenty of arguments to make he should close, but like like most players, it's a game-by-game decision. Mm-hmm. The only two players – I joke sometimes about Gallinari not closing. <laughs> but, I mean, he has to close, basically, unless he's having just an abominably awful night. But really, the only two guys who need to be out there at the end of games are Lou and Gallo. I'd right. say Pat Beverly is a very close third. Mm-hmm. But after that, I mean, I think the other two or three star players can can kind of rotate. Tress certainly, I don't think, is a must-close every night. I think the Shea Shamit thing, sometimes one of them can, sometimes one of them can't. Um, yeah, I mean, I, Gallo, Lou, and, you know, kind of Beverly are the only locks, I think. But, I mean, what did you think about that? I, I understand where Doc is coming from, but there it might cost the Clippers a game or two if he just keeps riding with Trez on nights when it's not his night. Yeah, I mean, I think it is a bit situational. I, I would have played Zubat on the stretch also against – also against the Kings, but of course, uh, Trez came up huge, especially if you're running Lou, Will, and Gallo pick and roll, pick and pop. Like, what is <laughs> I, then what, what is Trez even have advantageously over? Yeah. You know, but I guess, you know, you're not going to be running that, that often. And still, that your, your Lou and Trez pick and roll is still going to be a bit of your centerpiece, even as a decoy, I suppose. But <laughs> if you're not running him in a pick and roll situation, and he had one pick and roll Trez did where he just couldn't finish at the rim, which is not not Trez like. But when I saw that, I'm like, dude, just put in Zubat. Like, why are we even doing this right now? But things yeah. worked out. So yeah, they ended up winning. So it's tough to complain. Right. Speaking, so uh, Trez was a minus six, and Zubat was a plus fourteen. Speaking of a minus point mi- uh, point minus uh, plus minus, Garrett Temple was a. Uh, Team low minus sixteen yeah. in just seventeen and a half minutes or so. He's kind of been playing fairly poorly. Temple was a guy I was really looking forward. Both of us were really looking forward to being a Clipper, just a nice uh, utility type of player. Hasn't really been capitalizing in ways we thought. Even even though he's not really a stats type of guy, he's feel kind of he's felt kind of invisible recently. And now with guys like Wilson Chandler, Lukumba Mute returning. Is Temple really the short, you know, the short straw right now? Maybe Temple and and maybe Ty. Uh, yeah. What do you what do you think right now as far as the rotation and the end of the rotation? Considering those two seem imminent, though, who knows, man? Seriously. Yeah, with Luke, I have I have no idea. Uh-huh. I mean, it's it's interesting to note that Wilson Chandler was available yesterday and did not play at all. And Doc went deep into the bench, and Darius Thornwell got some minutes, and Chandler didn't, which really surprised me. Right. Um, so it's possible they might be available and still not play there because they're getting up to speed or just because Doc doesn't quite trust them yet. I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, I wrote on Friday that I didn't think either of them really deserved big roles in the rotation going forward. I think the easiest case to make for either of them is Luke over Temple as the small forward, the bench lineup, because mm-hmm. he does a lot of what Temple does except better. He's a better defender. He's a more versatile and bigger defender is something the Clippers need. But Temple does offer some things that Luke doesn't, namely a little bit of ball handling, a little bit of playmaking, and slightly better just creation. Like, if you really need to, you can give him a ball with, like, six seconds left on the clock, and he'll be able to get some sort of look off. It probably won't be great, but he can get it off. Luke is not like that at all. So 
I, I understand the pros of playing Luke, but I think there are some things that Temple does that are valuable. I agree he has not been very good in most of these games. I think his defense has mostly been pretty good. Yeah. Offense, basically invisible. He could just need time to fit in with Lou and Trez and, and the rest of the Clippers bench. It's, it's possible. I mean, Green has fit in much better, but he's also had a much easier role in just standing out and hitting threes, basically. Um, so I wouldn't be quite so quick to pull the plug on Temple, but for Luke, I understand. Chandler, I just I don't see where he fits in because even more than Luke, he's really not a small forward anymore. He's really a power forward. And you're not obviously benching Gallo. You're not benching Green, even though he was also really bad yesterday, I thought. Um, or not bad, just he didn't no, yeah, do anything. Just, yeah. yeah. Completely invisible. Right. Um, but I think he's still on the whole better than Chandler, and he fits the Clippers' needs better. Mm-hmm. So I just – I don't see a role for Wilson Chandler. Like, I really don't. I know he's a veteran. He's been in the league a long time. He's mostly been a starter for his career. Some nice irony for Clipper fans, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Clippers fans pined after him for years in the Lob City era as a small forward who they thought would be a perfect – I'd start with, with the Lob City, the core four, and he probably would have been. But now he's older and he's in a different position. And the Clippers just, I just don't think they really have a need for him. I wouldn't mind him getting a shot over Temple if Luke still isn't healthy and Temple continues to kind of struggle on the offensive end. But that's certainly a downgrade defensively. Right. And the Clippers do need defense. So, yeah, I mean, I think Temple is probably the guy to go. We're both Ty Wallace fans. His offense, too, has mm-hmm. not been very good at all this season. But the yeah. one thing he does do, even more than his defense, is that he pushes the pace relentlessly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something that really helps the Clippers. Even when he doesn't convert, just it's the kind of game I think they need to play more often. And it plays into strengths of other guys on the roster. So I do like that about him. And I think his defense is also really good. And more importantly, he's more than Temple even. He's another guy who can really bring the ball up and get offense into sets. He doesn't really get many assists, um, but he is a guy who can take a little bit of that pressure off of Lou. And if you bench him and still have Temple and then Luke or Chandler, that's a really big deficit in terms of ball handling. Basically, you're asking Lou to bring it up basically every possession. I mean, Temple theoretically could, but he's worse at that than Ty. So, mm-hmm. I think the real argument would be Luke over Temple. Uh, but even that, I'm a little hesitant about. I mean, what do you think? I mean, the problem, the real problem with Luke is he just hasn't played in five months. <laughs> right. And he's like 33 years old. You know? Right, right. I, have, I hope he does make it back, but I, I just have zero expectations for him this season. It wouldn't surprise me if he was available and just didn't play a lot. Yeah, I mean, at this rate, I kind of have to see it. If if Luke can come back and play a game similar to, you know, the game, couple of games he played, you know, 10 years ago when he last played for the Clippers, it feels like it's been forever. If he can play one of those games, then I probably would want him in there over Temple. Because I agree with you. I think Ty Wallace's his ability to just kind of push the pace and be a secondary ball handler is important for this team. And I don't want to bench him. I think both of us, are maybe I don't wouldn't say biased, but we like Ty. I think he's one yeah. of the better players on the team. So I don't want to bench him outright. 
And I like Temple a lot too. I even thought he would be an interesting look as a de facto starter. Mm-hmm. But just the way he's playing right now, if he's doing mostly defending and shooting from three, and we have Ty Wallace, you know, helping Lou as a, as a ball handler, it's tough because – when you have Ty and Lou, it's nice to have Temple there as a third guy because Green and Therese aren't handling the ball at all. So it's really going to be just two ball handlers if you have um, if you have Luke there instead. But it's like that's just like a pinch type situation where Temple would need to create something on the fly, and Luke is left open all the time anyway. So I I, I don't know. It's kind of an interesting situation. It's crazy how healthy the team is right now. Knock on wood that we're in this situation where we have Luke and Chandler and we're like, man, maybe we don't even need to play these guys. Um, speaking of defenders, Patrick Beverly, yeah. one of my friends is a big Oklahoma city thunder fan, loves Russell Westbrook, loves him. And uh, while he was kind of talking, kind of saying congrats on the win, all he was doing was talking about is how much he hates Pat Beverly, <laughs> the free throws that the thunder didn't get. And all I said was first team. I wish I could have been insinuating me holding my finger into his face, number one, because that's how I felt, man. Patrick Beverly has instilled so much dog into this team Mm -hmm. that it's absolutely incredible. He feels like, how how are we possibly not going to have this guy on our team next season? He has been everything Clipper. He just gets more and more... uh, he just infuses his team more and more every game. What a leader this guy is. Plus 22. And often I don't read into plus minuses that much. But, man, this guy was definitely a plus 22. Six yep. assists, seven boards, zero points. A lot will be made of this. But Patrick Beverly is probably the most positive plus minus kind of guy that can give you zero points in the league. And his ability to infuse his team with his tenacity at the guard position I feel like it's unlike any other player in the league. I feel like you see a lot of these kind of junkyard type players are either swing players maybe, or often they're bigs. Uh, you know, Draymond Green, even Kevin Garnett of days of of, of yore. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, you yeah. know, can be your examples for that. But Patrick Beverly being often the smallest guy on the court and infusing the team with this much tenacity and energy and him and Trez – are there words left to say about Pat? Is this this guy – we have to bring this guy back, right? Yeah, they have to, I think. Yeah. Um, barring him getting a ridiculous offer from some other team, which I don't think will happen due to his age and just skill set not being the flashiest, I think the Clippers have to find a way to bring him back. Probably their top priority, really, after getting a superstar free agent is bringing him back. I think he likes the city. He likes the team. I think he'd love to come back on a reasonable deal. So hopefully they get that done. But yeah, his ability to get offensive rebounds considering his size and his lack of real hops. I mean, he can probably dunk, but just barely, but he is able to sky for rebounds. And he has such great instincts. Um, And I think I talked about this on the radio uh, last week with Adam on AM570, but he just doesn't turn the ball over either. And he's not quite like Lou in that he doesn't have the ball in his hands a ton. He's not looking to create a lot, but he's been at probably five or six assists per game over the past couple of months. And it just never seems like he turns the ball over. And when he does, it's usually not a bad one. Um, you know, insofar as some turnovers are worse than others, he doesn't really give live ball turnovers away that lead to easy layups or dunks or whatever. 
And so many times he just has five or six assists, one turnover or zero turnovers. And that's such a crucial thing for this Clippers team because they're a horrible team defending in transition. And yeah, it's just amazing. He missed all three of his threes last night, but he's been a great three-point shooter too. Right, he's been so great, yeah. Yeah, he's just been phenomenal. Uh, I think the one of the funniest things is Sixers fans wailing about how, like, oh, we didn't get Pat Beverly in the trade. We we should have demanded Pat Beverly. It's like, well, if you wanted Pat Beverly, you'd have to have given up <laughs> a bunch right. of other assets to get him. Right, like, seriously. He's really good. He's the biggest leader on this team. And, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm basically out of words to say about him. I don't think we really even need to talk about Lou either, to be honest. Oh, yeah. At this point, like, he's sixth man of the year. He, sh- he should win every award. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, they need to create just, like, coolest NBA player award just to, like, give it to Lou one time. Um, <laughs> I think one thing we did both want to say, Gallo was incredible. But, but. <laughs> is we, we're always just critical of Gallo. And <laughs> it's funny. Like, every time I tweet something negatively about Gallo and Aria on the Clips Nation account, he does something amazing, like, within the next minute. I just need to talk shit about him all the time. But Yeah, do it. Uh, he really does just kind of screw up the, the pace of the team sometimes and the flow mm-hmm. of the offense. People criticize Lou for having the ball and dribbling a lot. But it's very different than Gallup because Gallup just stands there and holds it. And right. then bakes and then gets into the post and then dribbles back. Like, there are possessions when he has the ball in his hands for 10 to 12 seconds and just doesn't do anything. Right, right. Um, more than Lou, I'd say, though. And it's right. entirely just hypothetical and apocryphal evidence. But it, it can be very frustrating. And there are times when it really upsets the offensive rhythm of the team. So... As good as he was, and as good as he was against the Lakers, too, he does that sometimes, and it's just so irritating. We were texting about this. Mm. And they just need to find some way to stop him from doing that because unless he's a mismatch in the post, it's just not great offense to give him the ball against, Mm -hmm. like, Paul George or Jeremy Grant and just be like, hey, create something with your back to the back. It's just not going to work. Yeah, or Josh Hart or, like, any of these guys. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah, it's it's not good offense, and it's frustrating. Well, and what do you think about Gallo, though? I mean, on the whole, he's been fantastic this season. He's been mostly healthy. He was great yesterday. But, I mean, is there anything they can try to do to get him to play within the offense a little bit more? Because one of the reasons why he was cooking in that first quarter is he was just letting things come to him. Yeah, Gallo's phenomenal all season, obviously. It almost – and I didn't think about this until now. Him in the post against even a slightly smaller guy – uh, almost kind of reminds me of like giving the ball to Jamal Crawford on like the the wing or something, and just letting him dribble, 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 and like and take a you know a bad shot. Not to compare Gallo totally to Jamal, but it's just like he goes in the post, he gets his position, he dribbles, dribbles, and he often just kind of and whatever Paul George complains about about he, I think Westbrook might have said in a quote that a lot of those guys are playing for fouls and. Yeah. You can say that about Gallo a bit. When he gets the ball in a post, he often is just playing for a foul. In fact, the one time he scored down low, um, and he and he, there was some contact. He complained about the the he scored, and he just complained about the contact all the way down the floor. He made kind of a big thing to complain about the ref about it. He's usually not much of a complainer, but Gallo definitely was playing for fouls, and it's a yeah. habit he tends to do. I remember I was talking I was talking to a buddy 
uh, about just what's the most effective play for us to run down the stretch. And it's easily a Lou Williams pick and roll with either Trez or maybe even Gallo, which is what happened uh, last night. Uh, just because Lou is is getting things going. If he runs a pick and roll, there are options. He either gets a mid-range shot or he gets a pocket pass to Trez or somebody comes over and he can get something to maybe Shamit. Somebody cheats off a of Shamit or one of the shooters. There are so many options. It's in the flow of the offense still. It's not just like an ISO gallo ball where he's in the post he does some pump fakes, and often he's just trying to shoot a shot in semi-traffic. Or even he can get to the rim where Gallo isn't the best finisher, to be honest. And you would much rather see Trez, even Trez last night at the rim, or Lou at mid-range wide open, or even Gallo wide open mid-range mm-hmm. yesterday, which he did. He did this nice little step back into the angle uh, mid-ranger, which was a great shot. You know, That's the kind of shot that you want from Gallo. In the, in the midst of the offense, because it's frustrating because he can do it. But often I think we feel like when we're in a pinch that we can just give it to Gallo in the post and let him run things. And, of course, it won't burn out Lou if you give Gallo some of those post-ISO uh, ISO moments. And I guess sometimes you might sort of need it just because you can't just run Lou to death, you know. But it's not the most efficient offense, and it's really infuriating – when you see Gallo make some quick moves, like a quick little step back in his rhythm, which is a much better shot than like dribble, dribble, post up, turn, 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 shoot a shot in traffic. You know, if that's just a low percentage shot. So I love Gallo, but this Gallo ball is probably the most out of rhythm thing that the Clippers do. Yep. And it just kind of ices the team. It's insane the idea that we ever thought Gallo and Blake Griffin could have ever worked yes. together. That is... That's one of the weird – like, I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons why he's been so good this season compared to last season. I mean, obviously, injury, you know, health is the biggest thing. But he and Blake were just such an atrocious fit together. Right. For so many reasons. Like, they like to play in the same spots. They have, in some ways, a very similar style in terms of holding the ball and just right. kind of jib-jabbing and, you know, all mm-hmm. that kind of – it's – and especially as Blake has developed more of a three, like they're very similar players. I mean, Blake is obviously much, much better. Mm-hmm. But in terms of offensive, how they play, it's it's very similar. So, yeah, it's – and obviously Gallup's position is at the four now. So, you know, I would have liked to have seen last season's team healthy um, and, you know, really get them a chance to play together with Blake, DJ, Gallo, Beverly, all of them. But – it's probably for the best that what happened happened. Right. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And don't worry, guys, we're not forgetting the Clippers beat the Los Angeles Lakers 113 to 105. Um, so I didn't think I would be that happy about this game. Both of us downplayed even the Clippers winning this game because we both have a healthy amount of respect for LeBron James, as we should. Uh, but the Clippers won this game um, fairly easily. Yep. They, they were up the whole game. Uh, they won pretty much every quarter after falling behind a bit in the first. And it was not really that much of a contest. Gallo was great. 9 of 15 from the field, 23 points. Trez, Lou, everyone really shot well, which is not surprising against a terrible, terrible Laker team. Uh, Beverly was fantastic. Just everyone played well. 
uh, Zubat actually uh, was only seven and four. I thought he actually played. Uh, yeah, he was he wasn't, that great. he wasn't yeah. that great. I felt like he felt some nerves. He missed mm-hmm. some passes, and I felt like he was probably a little bit nervous. I also hope Zubat's free throws pick up a bit. I know they're super flat, but he's been shooting them really well. And it kind of surprises me what a good free throw shooter he was with the Lakers. Maybe he's just kind of uh, regressing to the mean a bit, but he's been missing some of his free throws. It would be nice if he had an 80 percenter from at center. Uh, I'm not so certain Zubat can kind of keep that up. But anyways, that was a that was a fun game against the Lakers. The Lakers are a bad team, man. They're really bad. They're they're, they're bad. They're they're destroyed by injuries at this point, but they're really bad. I mean, I think right, right. in the moment the game felt very momentous. It was like you know. There was this big game. It was a hype game. The Lakers needed to win it to make the playoffs, and the Clippers just dominated them from start to finish. During the game, it was like, wow, this is really happening. The Clippers are burying the Lakers. This is such a, you know, not ironic. It was just such a great moment for Clippers fans. But at the same time, like the Lakers were just really bad. They're, they're just bad. bad. They're, they're yeah. a bad team. And beating a bad team – in a game that's, you know, technically on the road slash with a lot of opposing fans, but it's still at Staples Center. So they're basically at home and, you know, against a much worse team. And it was a game they should have won and needed to win. I think we were both worried about it just because of LeBron. And LeBron got his, but the rest of that team was just atrocious. And when Kuzma got injured in the fourth quarter, Ingram didn't even play. They're they're just a disaster right now. They're now I mean Ingram is out for the year, Ball is out for the year, LeBron is getting rest and not playing back to backs. It's you know, they might not win three games the rest of the season. Yeesh. A worse record than like the Orlando Magic at this point. Yeesh. Uh, yeah. So it felt really big right after the game and during the game, but looking back at it, you know, five days later. Like, what is there to even get that excited about? I Yeah, it's really – I was really excited. I couldn't sleep. I was talking to my boys about it. We were mm-hmm. – everybody yeah. was very hyped. I mean, like, how could you not be excited? The Clippers being the Lakers is still fun, and they still have LeBron James. But, yeah, unfortunately, that's just a bad team. Some really terrible, terrible front office moves. They should clean house a bit, man. They won't because the Lakers and rings culture – but Luke Walton's going to get canned, and he shouldn't. Oh, whatever. The Lakers suck. I mean, I think I think he's been pretty bad this season. But I mean, uh-huh. he's still a scapegoat. Right. Lincoln Magic did a way worse job building a roster than, than Walton yeah. has coaching it. I mean, they both deserve to get fired. Really but, bad, but they won't. But no, especially Magic. But yeah, Magic. I guess. I guess you can't fire Magic Johnson from the Lakers, no. but but uh, that yeah, they won't get fired either. Yeah, he won't. So. The Lakers are a bad team. So I, while I'm excited and, you know, the Lakers were, you know, the Lakers came back a bit. Gallo hit a huge straightaway three that stopped with some Laker momentum and they cut the game. I want to say the score was maybe 99-94. Uh, LeBron had a drive to the rim where he got, uh, he had an and one, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And then Gallo hit a huge three-pointer. And then just from there, uh, Shamit shut the door. Shamit's been a nice little, nice addition to this team. I feel like he's been kind of quiet, but he's been in double figures these past few games. Really love his secondary passing, his secondary just ball handling. Even if he doesn't get, you know, a bunch of assists or anything, he looks like a pretty capable dribbler and just 
playmaker, much more than JJ Redick ever has been. Yeah. I, I hate comparing him all the time to JJ, but it's just it's just in, un, inescapable. Um, that's been really nice. I don't think there's much to say about Shamit outside of the fact that he's just such a nice player to have on this team. Even just the defense that he that he caters, like people have to guard him all the time. It's just so night and day compared to freaking Avery Bradley, who is you know apparently LeBron James in Memphis, but. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's he's been a nice player. Just just a just a really nice addition. Hopefully, a guy we can just keep for a very very long time. Um, so this game was this Laker game was fun. It was nice to see the Lakers suck some more and the Clippers. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I like when they're bad. I won't lie. They're just they might be bad enough that they'll they'll land a, a decent lottery pick this year. Who knows? But um, and that's a bit. That's about all I need to say about that game. Do you really want to talk about that that Knicks game at all? Shaman, yeah. of course, again had six threes in the that first was really quarter. Cool. That was awesome. Um, that was just a fun game. They they blew out the Knicks in that first half pretty badly, and they played a bit lackadaisically in the second half. But it's hard to really blame them. It's the Knicks. Yeah, I mean, it was frustrating to watch. Yeah, but you can't blame them. They were up like forty points against a really shitty team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, <laughs> they, they they got lazy and they didn't try very hard and it didn't end up mattering because the Knicks were that shitty. Um, so, yeah, I have I have nothing to say. Watching Shamit hit all those threes is incredible. Yeah. Um, he's a really special shooter. I think that much is already pretty obvious. Uh, but, yeah, I don't, I don't really have much else to say. Um, do you want to look ahead a little bit at the schedule before we take some Twitter questions? Yeah, definitely. So let's look at the next few games. Next up would be the Celtics on Monday. The Celtics played today. They won in Los Angeles already against the Lakers, who are like we were like we just told everyone is a shitty, shitty team. Uh, so we're going to be playing them on Monday. Uh, next after that will be the Blazers on a second game of a back-to-back. The Blazers will have some rest. The Clippers. Will not. The Clippers are actually catching a lot of teams on less rest these uh, last few games, especially that OKC game. The Clippers have had the weekend off, so they'll have rest that game. Then they play a crappy Bulls team on Friday, and then they play the, a pretty a decent Nets team on the following Sunday. Uh, we might come back either Saturday or Sunday. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but we can talk about all four of those games. What do you What do you think for those four? Do you Are you feeling a feeling maybe a three and one? Two and two. What I you think thinking? you know you've been you've been lowballing them the past couple weeks. I think last week right. you said one and two, and they went three and zero. Right. Chicago has not been bad since they got Otto Porter for garbage and Bobby Portis and right, right. Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, I love the Wizards so much. Um, <laughs> they're just the most incompetent organization right now. I mean, when you can play Jeff Green so many minutes instead of your future when you're tanking, it's, <laughs> this, you've got, you have to play Jeff Green, you know? They lost in overtime today to the, the Wolves. I watched, like, the last, like, 10 minutes of that game. Jeff Green played, like, 40 minutes at power forward and had <laughs> five rebounds, I think. He might have had wow. five or three. I don't know. Ariza, I think, played more and had three rebounds. So, you know, they're both, like, 35. And, did, yeah, did the, you did you enjoy watching Future Six Man Derek Rose Six oh, Man of the Year? God, I hate him so much. I hate um, him with a passion. Yeah, he's the, he is my least favorite NBA player right now, and has been for years ever since you know the whole 
awful person thing. Yeah, since the whole awful person thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's uh, something that you can maybe keep in mind. <laughs> yeah, and nobody ever seems to mention except when people on Twitter make us think about it. I also just think he's really awful to watch. Like, he, he yeah. hit some huge shots today against the Wizards to give him credit, but they were all just these contested mid-range twos. Like, he was just dribbling around and then taking, you know, 18-footers with hands in his face, and, like, he made them, but they were horrible shots. You know, yeah. wasn't getting free. I hate, yeah, it's just awful. But anyway, yeah. the Bulls are not bad with Porter, but, you know, they're still trying to lose games. The Clippers will be at home with rest. That's a game they need to win. Brooklyn is feisty, but, mm-hmm. like, you know, that is also a game the Clippers should win. I think they can beat one of Portland or Boston. So I'm going to say they go 3-1. and one. I don't know yeah. which game it is. I would tend to say... You know, even though it's the second night of a back-to-back, I think they probably have a better chance against Portland because I think Boston will be coming out for revenge after they blew a 28-point lead to the Clippers like a right. few weeks ago. I, I think they go 3-1, but I, I would honestly be fine. As long as they get two of these wins, they'll be sitting pretty well. Yep, and they have a couple of games against the Pacers at home, against the Cavaliers on the road, and then they have that East Coast road trip. So really these next two games are challenging, and then there's a lot of winnable games yep. in the near future. So hopefully they can split those those two. I don't know who they win. I, I probably would tend to agree that the Celtics might be feistier. I'm never afraid of the Blazers ever, like ever. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, even though we don't have Chris Paul to shut down Damian Lillard anymore, he's just – he just doesn't scare me. He should. He had 51 against the Thunder this the other day uh, in a losing effort. But Damian Lillard, to me, I don't know why. I just no. I never... Damian Lillard scares me, but nobody else in the Blazers does. Um, I, Dame, I think Dame is really, really, really good. Um, he is. He is really good. But I don't know. I think I'm just used to Chris Paul shutting him down. Chris Paul owns that's him. Fair. So, that's fair. Yeah, uh, but I mean, I think they can beat the Blazers. I mean. I think we discussed this last week, and I think there are a couple of questions about this, but the Blazers are like the one Western Conference team there's even a remote chance they play that I think they could legitimately beat in a playoff Same. series. Oh, I would love to get the Blazers, please. Oh, yeah, please. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as long as they go 2-2, two and two, uh, it doesn't matter really which games they win. I mean, the Chicago game in particular, like, they just need to beat the Bulls. But as long as they go 2-2 two and two, – I think that puts them in very good position to really secure that playoff spot. That gives them 40 wins. They have more easy wins coming up. You know, that Lakers game, that was, you know, the third to last game of the season, that could have been a really tough game. Now it's going to be an absolute joke. Right. Ball, Ingram, I guess LeBron is probably out for that game too. Uh, Though it is at home, they might want to play him. But, and that will be now an easy game. The Grizzlies game should be an easy win. They have two Cavs games left. I mean, I think... As long as, yeah, if they get two wins this week, that's perfectly fine. Um, Three would be even better because, as we're going to discuss again, I think there are some questions about this, but, you know, they want to get the seventh seed. Right, right. Yeah, and the Warriors just beat the Nuggets again. So it's looking more and more like the Warriors are going to be that one seed. So we definitely want that seventh seed. Yep. Yeah. No, I think that's it. I mean, I think we're ready for questions. We have a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's try to. I just need to scroll through my timeline here just to see them all. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the very first question, like I was mentioning, from at, at Omar Ibrahim sixteen, preferred first round matchup aside from just avoiding Golden State. I mean, I think literally the preferred one is of anything but Golden State. 
Yeah. Um, so Blazer, Blazers, Nuggets, and... Of any, yeah, of any semi-realistic team, I think it has to be the Blazers. After that, the Nuggets, I think, like, they're young and inexperienced, but Jokic and Millsap just murder the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say Blazers, then Nuggets. Then probably Thunder, then Rockets, then Warriors. And I think Rockets would be really fun, honestly. It would be. Um, and the Clippers actually don't match up too horribly against them, but Capella's kind of a bad matchup. I mean, I just don't want to play Harden. Like, you know, even with this playoff, you know, what he's done the past two seasons of kind of shitting the bed, he's still having one of the most ridiculous seasons like of all time. <laughs> I just, right. I don't want any part of him. Um, I think I would be the most satisfied beating the Rockets of any first true. round. Of and course, th- of course, the Warriors would be absolutely amazing, but that's yeah, not but that's happen. not happening. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, if we beat the Rockets, <laughs> I can't imagine that. Can you imagine? Can you can you imagine the hate pieces that would be on Chris Paul after losing to the Clippers in the first round? I think there would be even more about Harden, but yeah, I oh, mean, right, right, right. Yeah. But- yeah, it would be incredible. And the the Rockets honestly might get second. They're they've won like seven or eight games in a row. They look amazing. Oh yeah, they're and really the Nuggets are kind of stumbling, but I mean, you know, obviously if they come in on like winning eighteen of their last twenty games or something, that doesn't bode well for the Clippers. Um, oh, that would be so. That would be delicious. They they would obviously get wrecked. I think the Rockets yeah. would probably win like four one. But still, I think the Clippers could maybe if they could maybe win two games. Not I think that would be a semi. The only series yeah. I think would be completely uncompetitive is the Warriors. I think they yeah. they make a series of anything else. Yeah. Uh, next question from uh, at JWOP six: Should Chandler receive minutes, and if so, what lineup should he be integrated into? I already basically talked about this. I don't really think so. If any lineup, probably just the bench unit in place of Temple. Yeah, I as of right now, I think. We both kind of agree that Luke seems to be a better fit over Chandler, and Chandler is kind of more of a four uh, versus Luke and his defensive versatility, which is just a huge asset regardless of what lineups we have. Uh, Chandler practically, honestly, is almost like a Jeff Green type of type of player out there right now, and Green just provides us with more re- rebounding and more grit. So, Jamichael Green. Yeah, Jim Michael Green. Jeff Green is actually who I'm talking about. So <laughs> he is actually kind of similar to Jeff Green. I mean, I think yeah, better. He's a smarter player, but he is kind of Jeff Green esque, and I have zero desire to watch Jeff Green play. Uh, <laughs> I remember, I remember when Jeff Green uh, became a Clipper, and I watched a Grizzlies game, and I said somehow we traded a, pit, a first rounder for uh, for Jay Green and the Grizzlies still have a Jay Green that's better than ours. And yep. Jim Michael, it was, it was pretty sad. Anyways, next question. Uh, next question is from at drummy underscore MSYG. The lineup and bench squad seem to be pretty set. However, in a playoff series, if Shea or Shamit needs to be replaced, who do you replace them with? This is tricky. I mean, I think the main benefit of making the playoffs outside of just making it to, you know, show off to free agents like look we made it without an all-star is to get Shay and Sham at playoff reps unless they're absolute disasters like literally can't do anything right are completely flustered which I can't really see either of them doing like possibly Shay in the wrong Mm -hmm. series but I wouldn't bench them at all I mean they they need minutes more than anybody (laughs) yeah Um, so if you know to answer the question I think Possibly replace Shamit with, hmm, 
maybe with Luke, if Luke is healthy, if not, then maybe Temple. I mean, the thing is the Clippers really don't have a small forward. Right, Um, right. So, I mean, Luke or Temple, I guess. Shea, I just, I can't imagine them benching Shea, but. Yeah, I mean, it would probably be Shamit with, I could see maybe Temple just to get his defense in for, you know, and sacrifice Shamit's offense. And I could see that, but uh, I really want Shamit. I can't, I can't. I can maybe see Shamit going cold, just like any shooter would go cold. But I don't know who's going to put the clamps on him particularly. Then again, I never thought Joe Ingles would put the clamps on J.J. Redick, but he did. <laughs> so yeah. uh, so I, I, don't, I don't know. I just feel like – I also don't think there's – I don't think there's some, enough dominance in the West aside from the Warriors. I think somebody would just completely rattle our rookies. I, I, don't, I don't know about that. Maybe, yeah. maybe the speed and the athleticism of the Nuggets would tire them out a bit. But uh, it would be a good experience for them, honestly. Kind of, a, kind of a side question I wanted to ask you. So I think we all agreed before the trade um, that the second unit would destroy our first unit uh, before the, the midseason, yeah. all, those, uh, all those trades. But now, let's say you're playing a game of 21. Um, what would the score be between the starters versus the bench in a, in a game of 21? That's, that's interesting because you have Pat Beverly guarding Lou. Mm-hmm. Um, Hmm. You know, I still think the bench probably takes it. Probably, um, but it'd be pretty close, it'd right? Be pretty close. That would be that would be a great game to watch. Yeah, right. That would be a great uh, scrimmage in like at the forum or something. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. It, it's good to it's good to see the starters kind of picking up a bit and getting close. They've actually been the the recently. It feels like the starters have been the ones getting us in leads and the bench has actually been coughing up some yeah. of these leads, especially that last game. Yeah. So it's been nice to see. Um, next question. Okay. Next question at love Clippers one. What's the probability the Clippers win a title next year if they keep the team intact and get a max superstar too. So if they get one superstar, they would be able to keep the team intact. If they get two, they won't. So I'm assuming if they keep the team intact and get a max superstar, I'm going to say that superstar will be Kawhi Leonard is the most likely and he's the only one I can see them just getting one of maybe Butler but um, if you added Kawhi Leonard to this team and kept everybody else of importance in the rotation man and they would be really good I mean I think Raptors ish a 55 win team Mm -hmm. I mean I think a lot of it would depend on like what happens to the Warriors KD seems like he's leaving if he leaves Warriors obviously much weaker but it, it really depends. So much happens in free agency and with trades now in the offseason that, you know, the Lakers, their front office is atrocious. But if they somehow get AD and make a swing for another, they could build another team, you know, I'd say pretty low. If they get Kawhi and keep the rest of the team intact, probably they win a title like 5%. A lot would depend on their young guys. Like if they bring Shea, Shamit, Zoo and let's just throw Jerome in their back, and one of those guys makes a big leap. I'd assume probably Shea. You know, it's possible, um, right. but I, right. I certainly wouldn't bet on it. Even if they get Kawhi, if they get two superstars, then they'd have to overturn the roster a little bit more, which would put even more pressure on the young guys to make a leap. So it it really depends. I'd say like five to ten percent. That's pretty good. If the and if the if Durant leaves the Warriors, there's going to be a decent amount of parity in the league. Um, yeah. even if even if Durant and Kyrie go to the next, not like a that doesn't guarantee that they're a juggernaut or anything, you know. So, um, 
It would be it would be interesting. I don't think I don't think any team would have like more than like a what a twenty percent maybe a thirty percent chance of winning a title. So having five to ten percent is pretty good. I would love to see this team, just this team with Kawhi. Yep, same. It, it would be it would be so much fun. Uh, it would be kind of probably a little Raptors ish, and I, I like the Raptors a lot. So uh, without without the insane amount of length, man, the Raptors are a defensive. They're good. Menace. Jeez, They're good. So you got Siakam. Abaka, Kawhi. I still don't there. understand why he'd leave the Raptors for basketball reasons. <laughs> I, I, for <laughs> basketball reasons, it makes no sense. It really doesn't. Uh, but I, I hope, hope he does. I hope he goes to the Clippers. But um, yeah. Okay, we have a bunch more questions. So, uh, next one from my buddy Sean Woodley, who's a Raptors uh, guy, actually, a wizard. Let's call him Jeff Green. Offers that the Clippers <laughs> will finish ahead of the Lakers for each of the next five years but we'll miss out on big free agents each of those five years as well. Do you accept Jeff Green's terms? I'll let you go first. <laughs> the Lakers suck, man. Wait, so so the the idea is that we're, we finish with a better record than the Lakers but miss, miss out on free agents? Basically, yeah, the Clippers finish ahead of the Lakers for five years in a row. Uh. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to beat the Lakers. I'm trying. I'm trying to get this team because I'm guessing that the Clip, the Lakers probably won't be very good if we don't if we don't land anybody, and we're just going to be the same kind of, you know, 40, 45 to forty eight win team. I just, I think that's the most likely. If this were to happen, that's the most likely scenario, which is the Lakers don't get anybody either, and they right. just continue not being very good, and the Clippers are just kind of better. But what happens if the Clippers don't get anybody, but all their young guys become awesome? Sure, sure. <laughs> and right, even if right. the Lakers are good, the Clippers are better. I think there's a sneaky upside to taking the other, that they just beat out the Lakers. Because if the Lakers get LeBron AD and win 50 games, but the Clippers are still better every season. I mean, that would be pretty amazing. <laughs> I honestly might take that. Um, and I think it would be really cool to watch this team be really good, even without a superstar for each That's true. That's what this, what this you know front office is building towards. But um, good point. I think I would probably honestly take that, not just because you know screw the Lakers, but just because I think the Lakers at some point in the next five years will probably be pretty good. And right. if the Clippers are better than them, I'd take that. Um, next question from at Clip City Two: Would you replace Ty and Temple as the backup two three with Jerome and Chandler? No, no. <laughs> uh, mostly no. because of Jerome, I I just. He's not ready for NBA rotation. Jerome's not. Jerome's not ready. But you know what? I I see his tools. I see him that he can be like a scorer. A, a, not a. Lou, I don't want to call him a Lou Williams type because that does a disjustice to Lou, honestly. But I see that he can handle the ball. He's he's probably more of a playmaker than uh, than we've seen in on an NBA level. He that's where he seems to be more comfortable uh, in the G League. So maybe he can get reps and get that done and and maybe eventually transition he's not there yet he's his confidence isn't there and that's fine it's not like it's easy to be amazing in the league so i'm not completely lost on jerome but he's not a rotation player right now yeah i'm not writing him off i just yeah. like right now for this team i would i would not do that swap yeah a uh, next question from at david a Nagy three i love Shamit, but his defense is a big weakness what are the chances he can significantly improve on that end of the floor in the coming years I think there's a decent yeah. chance. I mean, I don't think mm-hmm. he's ever going to be Kawhi Leonard, but he's he has decent size, uh, especially if he's playing at shooting guard and not small forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he can be at least okay. His instincts seem fine. I just think he needs more reps, yep. uh, better scouting reports on players, just you know, bulking up a little bit. I think he can work his way up to like average 
which would be yeah. a significant improvement. You got to hide him on certain players. I thought Schroeder was a really nice guy for him to guard. Even yeah. Bullock in the Laker game, even though Bullock has so much height on him and, and length, he's like an, those kind of uh, off the ball, you know, not buddy healed, obviously, but those kind of shooters that just kind of hang around. I think Shaman has a nice, nice idea of where they go. Uh, Schroeder was perfect because he can't overpower him. And uh, Shaman can move his feet, but the problem is, He's in so many small lineups that he'll just get overpowered by anybody he regards. There was a brief moment where Westbrook uh, was being guarded by Shamit, I think, to end the first half last game. And you could tell Westbrook was exhausted because he just wasn't just drilling Shamit every time. I was yeah. like, oh, my God, we're guarding Russell Westbrook with, with Landry Shamit. We're going to get killed. But it actually ended up not being that bad, though Westbrook did make some aggressive moves and take him easily. I think he did realize that Shamit was guarding him. The problem with Shamit is, you know, he has a very frail build, so he can't really take these bigger guards, but he shouldn't be guarding them in the first place. And two, I feel like he just doesn't know where he should be defensively a lot of the time and he makes a lot of defensive breakdowns where he thinks he should lean one way and then he shouldn't and then he gets he either loses a guy completely or he gets or he gets blown by completely and these are things you can work on so when I watch him doing that I I don't think he's a lost cause he's definitely really 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 bad on defense right now <laughs> don't get me wrong but yeah. I feel like that he can get better and I, and I think he has the effort he's not like he's he's just doesn't care out there like he's James Harden or something he wants to get better. Uh, I can see him getting better. And, you know, he has some tools. He has long arms, so he's not quite Shea out there. But against smaller guards, he can maybe, you know, provide you. And the nice thing about Shea is that hopefully with Shea getting bigger, we can maybe play Shamet on some of these smaller guards um, and who are hopefully not speedy and just drive right past him. And we can switch Shea on a two or a three if he gets some some more bulk to him. I love what Shea did, by the way, early on against Westbrook. It was just like such a heady defensive game. Kind of got the better of him in the first quarter. He got some fouls. But I thought he was just baiting Westbrook into a lot of bad possessions and knowing like this is what Westbrook does. And he was just so smart. I love the potential of Shea just defensively. He's such a yeah, – He's going to be an all-defensive player. So good, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so next question from at DJ Matic. Uh, is the six seed still not possible? It's not impossible, but it's pretty unlikely. The Jazz, the Clippers are basically tied in record with the Jazz, but I think the Jazz are the better team and they have the much easier schedule. So I think they get it. And I don't think any of the teams above them will drop that far. So it's not impossible, but I don't think it's likely. Yeah, super unlikely. Yeah. Next question from at Tony Prajwal. Um how much of a role did Lee Jenkins play in those documentary videos produced by the Clippers uh, for Toby Gallo? Um, any other noticeable impact he has in the organization? I literally have zero idea. I have um, no clue. Nobody does. Did you see the Gallo thing yet? Yeah, it was good. I, I think that's what this guy is, is asked. I mean, I don't know what kind of role Jenkins had. I mean, it seems like the kind of thing he might have had a hand with, but I legit have no idea. I have no clue. I, I thought that Jenkins – I don't know this. This is a lot of I, – I think I heard him on the Woj pod a long time ago that maybe there's an idea that he's going to pre- be able to present, like, free agents. In a, yeah, in that's, a, like, in a, that's what it seems like. Yeah. yeah, so if that's the case, and we really don't, haven't seen what he he's capable of just yet, and hopefully we will in the offseason. I think he's a great hire. I just don't know what, what's yeah, going on. Exactly. <laughs> um, next question from at JK Flores 157 uh 
quick setup and a humble brag, but I was able to meet Trez in an autograph signings today. Do you guys have any favorite moments from meeting a Clips player in person? So this is actually interesting. I don't think I've ever met a Clippers player in person except when I'm covering games. I don't think I've met one just mm. as when I went to games when I was just a fan or just anywhere else. So I don't really have any. And, you know, in terms of when I'm as a media member, uh, you know, most of that stuff is stuff I can't really talk about. But uh, let's just say that Pat Beverly is fun to listen to in the locker room. Oh, man. Um, yeah. I've, I haven't I haven't had – and this this is something I need to get on. I've never even been, like, press credentialed in the locker room or anything just yet. So I haven't – I don't want to say I've never even had an interaction with a Clipper player ever. I don't think I, I've gone to, of course, plenty of games. But I've never, like, met them up close. I've always had ideas that I would play – I would play Super Smash Brothers with Blake sometime, but it never happened, unfortunately. Maybe <laughs> Maybe I'll do it with Shay, <laughs> but uh, I've never met any Clipper player, which is kind of unfortunate. I've I've had the closest thing to like an interaction I've had with a basketball player was when me and uh, and uh, it was a uh, it was actually Justin Russo, Fly by Night, shout out, uh, former Clips Nation writer, went to a Mavericks game together. We passed by Sean Marion, and uh, who was just so huge. Um, this is when Marion was a Maverick. And we said, we, we talked, we said like, good game, Sean, or something like that. And he passed us and he like, he like looked at us and I was like, oh, cool. And he's so massive. Like I haven't really had many experiences with basketball, like NBA players up close. I wish I had something. The closest thing I've had, like I, I met Bill Simmons and I talked to him for like five minutes for his book of basketball tour. That's the closest okay. to like a persona I've met like outside of. Yeah. Basketball. I mean, I haven't really met that many NBA personalities either. I've seen a bunch of games, but I haven't really talked with them. Yeah. I guess my favorite interaction with a Clipper would just be shaking Boban's hand. Oh, man, yeah. And just getting your hand swallowed. Uh, that oh, was pretty gosh. fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it for questions, I think. We took a lot today. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think I don't really have much else to say. I think we went pretty in-depth on stuff. Um, the Clippers are in a really good place right now. I don't – Really think we even need to do a standings watch. There's several games up on the Kings. They have the tiebreaker. Their schedule the remainder of the way is pretty easy. They look like they're in a really good rhythm right now. I think they're on like 538 and other sites. They're like at a 98, 99% chance to make the playoffs, I think. so. The Kings, I mean, the Kings are still winning a little bit more than I want them to win. Right. Yeah. Uh, they're 33 and 32. They're still only – you know, three losses out. Granted, that's like four losses uh, the Clippers have on them. Yeah. But, but still, I just – I wish they would lose just a couple more games as much as I, I – I ultimately wish the Kings would make it over the Spurs, honestly. But I don't know if that will happen either. Uh, the Spurs have been winning a lot of games too recently. Uh, so I I am still a little bit nervous. I, I can't say for certain. I think Charles Barkley even recently doubled down and said that the Clippers still aren't going to make the playoffs – and I hate him for saying that, but it's still the inner Clipper in me still has a lot of insecurities about whether or not we'll make the playoffs. It feels like we will, yeah. um, but I'm still a bit nervous. So we'll we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully those nerves get put to rest in the coming weeks. And I think that'll do it for this episode of the Love the Jam the podcast. Uh, for Rob, I'm Chapon. Of course, you know, write all your nice things about us on iTunes or whatever you listen to us on. And as always, go Clippers!